what we need in order to get subscribers over time is to build an audience. Some tiny amount of mm. that larger audience is ultimately going to subscribe. And so mm -hmm. we need a very large audience. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Freedom Featured. I'm your host, Barry Bussey. With me today, I have Lauren Huser, who's uh, just started up CanadianAffairs.News. And Lauren, it's great to have you with us again. Thank you, Barry. It's great to be back. So, Lauren, I just want to talk about right now, because we had a wonderful discussion last time about your startup and encourage those of you who are watching to make sure you look at part one of our interview as she shared the things that she learned in starting up a new news outlet here in Canada. For those of you who are interested in that, you'll want to go and have a look. But right now, we're wanting to talk about the concept of freedom of speech in Canada. There's been a number of pieces of legislation that have come through, and in particular, Bill C-11, which deals with a lot of Canadian content, the government controlling what is Canadian content. In essence, the CRTC now is being tasked with regulating the internet here in Canada. And then there was also Bill C-18, which dealt with trying to get the big tech, giving money to news outlets, uh, or at least uh, money to the government, uh, and who then I guess would be transferring, or uh, I no, I guess it's the big tech would be giving money to the news outlets for using their links. Then we've got government also talking now about an online harms act, which to me, it's uh, kind of nebulous, but it'll be interesting to see exactly how harm is going to be dealt with by the government with this legislation. So there's a lot happening. Things are in flux. You have come... <laughs> At a very important time in the history of freedom of speech in this country, Lauren, what are the concerns, if any, you have about what's happening? The biggest concern as someone who's just launched a news publication is, of course, Bill C-18, which is now law, and it has Meta and Google threatening to block the distribution of news to Canadians in Canada. Mm. And right. digital news startups, they really have two key methods of reaching an audience and that is social media and search engines and social media there's meta which owns facebook instagram whatsapp and now the recently launched threads which is the competitor to twitter and then outside of the meta's right. universe there's twitter linkedin and tiktok so if meta really mm. does go through with this threat you've wiped out you know, at least half of the important social media channels through which you can reach and grow an audience. And then, mm. you know, the other big factor is, is Google, of course, and that's how you show up in search engine results. And that's the other key driver of traffic. So most digital news publications don't stand a chance if this bill goes through and, and those big tech companies actually do make good on their threat. And I, I don't fault them for threatening what they have threatened. To me, this bill, as many, many other people have said, is premised on a lie that they are stealing content from news publishers. I've worked at the National Post. I've worked at the Walrus. Every publication, once they publish a story, the very next thing they do once they hit publish is post it to Facebook, post it to you know Twitter and all the other places. And so we're voluntarily putting that stuff out there. We also take great care to optimize things to appear in search results. So it's not theft. 
you know, what has of course disappeared is the revenue model around which legacy publications were built. And that has been sort of stolen in a sense from the big tech companies. Well, really disrupted is the better word. They've lost the advertising dollars mm. to those publications. So anyhow, I don't fault these big tech companies for wanting to establish a precedent, particularly when they're under threat from all sorts of other jurisdictions who are looking at as to what will happen here, that they don't intend to go along with this kind of legislation. So it's deeply unfortunate that we're even in this position. I, I was surprised at the number of people who said to me, oh, you know, they're just bluffing. They're actually going to kind of cave once this legislation passes. And to me, that misunderstands how negotiation works because negotiation works when mm -hmm. you have leverage. And the government never had leverage right. here because there isn't a clear case for something, someone like Facebook to keep news on their channels when it's not their primary revenue driver. So it never surprised me right. that Facebook was serious about their threat. So I'm saying what so many other people have said, but it, it, it is really crazy to have a government that ostensibly wants to be helping publishers that is really doing so, so, so much to harm them. And, you mm -hmm. know, this hasn't actually come into effect yet, but who's to say what the effect is on the business climate for anyone, for example, looking at whether to start a news publication. If I had, for example, in May, just started thinking about a news publication then, and I saw this legislation come about, I would never have continued ahead with a plan to start this publication. I was mm. just kind of mm -hmm. too far along. I had already hired people by this point. So I was like, okay, well, I'm going to go ahead with this and hope that this, this government does ultimately kind of change its tune. Uh, but, you know, it's hard to assess, I think, the, the harm that this kind of legislation is doing to the kind of the, the climate for news publications in general. And that's just one piece of legislation. So, I'm just trying to step back a little bit and say, okay, so... Uh, if this is being so harmful, which I've, you know, saw a number of tweets from various reporters, uh, longtime reporters, think of Andrew Coyne, for example, who has been very critical of what's been happening with this um, plan. And, you know, Facebook and Google are saying, no, we're, we are not going to be playing your game because in essence, as I understand it, they're going to be on the hook, or they would be on the hook, that if they were to uh, allow these uh, links uh, for Canadian news to go through their platforms, then they're going to have the pay based on the clicks. There's no limit to it, mm -hmm. right? And so it, it makes perfect sense. But then I say, okay, so what? It reminds me of Cicero, right? Mm -hmm. The great Roman orator, but also a lawyer, who said, uh, Qui buono, like who benefits? Mm -hmm. And Who's benefiting here? Who? What is the public policy behind this? That the government somehow is it the government just totally incompetent? That it it didn't know, it didn't do its own research on what the effect of the uh, legislation is going to be, or is there some other maybe sinister? Or <laughs> don't want to get into conspiracy theories or anything. But the idea is is that you wonder about uh, coincidences, like when you when you consider. Uh, that at the end of the day, who would benefit? The big mainstream media people like CBC and so forth, who, who well, CBC is getting huge amounts of government money, but then small news outlets like your organization, mm -hmm. Canadian Affairs, you guys are going to be in really in a bad yeah. shape when it comes to trying to get your stories out. Yeah, and I'm not 
sure that this government cares enough about the kind of startup community. I, I think, and I'm not just speaking about the news industry here. I think there are a lot mm -hmm. of things that the, this government does that really favors and entrenches and protects huge industries and protected industries and, and companies within those industries. Mm. I think sometimes, you know, you hear the government talking about wanting to encourage tech industry and other companies to come here and start here, but sometimes the actions that they take really don't bear that out. And the other thing that concerns me now is that this past week, the heritage minister who's been kind of backing down because they don't really have a good leg to stand on when they see that Meta and mm. Google are serious about these threats, has now suggested that, well, their liability to news publishers would be kind of limited or capped. And my concern from those statements is that what could happen is under some regulatory scheme, Meta and Google would end up paying the big publishers, the existing CBC, Globe, Post Media, and that the new tiny companies wouldn't get money from those big publishers, <laughs> which just further, you know, disadvantages people that are trying to yes. create sound businesses uh, in an incredibly challenging environment. So I don't know if that's intentional, but certainly you get the sense that they are not thinking about those interests in their decision making because i don't think any of this would have happened without strenuous lobbying from the legacy publishers for right. these handouts from the big tech so I, I think that is who the government is being most responsive to in their actions around this issue now that is very concerning for the issue of freedom of speech in the country because we are now again having a situation if that is the ultimate result of this policy, we're going to have these large news organizations funded in a big way as a result of government policy plus handouts. So they owe a lot to the government. The government then would then be able to say, hey, this is the kind of news that we want. This is the kind of, in essence, the slant, the, you know, I hate using the word propaganda, but I mean, it's just, you know, he who pays the piper plays the tune. And so that is a big, big concern for us as Canadians to be able to say, okay, well, so what is the truth of the matter? Mm -hmm. One of the things that is so exciting about your organization is starting up, even though it's in the midst of this big turbulent water that's going on, is the fact that we are going to have another voice mm -hmm. We're an independent voice, a voice that's going to be able to speak uh, and address issues that are not being addressed by the others. And uh, now we've got government policy that may very end up doing damage to groups like yourself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you've said it well, and I don't have much to add except to say <laughs> that I really agree with you. <laughs> Okay, so what do we do about that? I mean, like, is it just a matter of that? Is it just the entrenched? I look at things, I guess, a little bit based on my own background growing up in Newfoundland and growing up where I've had my ancestors who were, you know, 
beholden to the fish merchants. Mm -hmm. And so that in every little village, you would have one or two merchants or possibly one because, uh, you know, they love to have the monopoly. And all of the fishermen who were bringing the fish into that merchant bought things on credit on the merchant's store. It was kind of like a bond labor, kind of like a, a form of uh, servitude in many ways, um, where, where they control everything. And so now you've got government controlling the news, mm -hmm. uh, wanting its story out, but making it very difficult for those uh, who are not in the system, who are not in part of the big, you know, uh, unionized uh, news outlets and all the rest and that hold a lot of sway mm -hmm. and various interests of various uh, corporations or big billionaire types who own the various uh, news organizations and that kind of thing. And, and so to me, we're in a time where prime minister gets up and starts talking about democracy last week or so he was talking about oh you know he's going to fight meta he's going to fight google because it almost seemed like this is a he's churchill coming in to save the little people but no i don't see that i see a situation where this is certainly not good for the country and for freedom of speech and for the ability to be able to express different opinions. And so there's a lot of concern there, it seems. Yeah. And Canadian Affairs is nonpartisan, but I am pleased that the Conservative Party has been a very vocal opponent of not only Bill C-18, but also Bill C-11. And we'll see what happens with the Online Harms Act. Uh, but it's so important to right. have that opposition within government. And it would be nice if the NDP we're also kind of acting in an opposition role, which they they have generally not been in this government. And so yeah. I think it really is important that we have voices, elected voices saying this this isn't good for the country. And I do think that the conservatives have been a lot more clear eyed on a lot of these measures than the liberals. Yeah, we've come in a in a place where at one point the internet was seen as the great public square where everybody could start up podcasts, start up your online news program and be able to be a voice. And now we're seeing government just kind of muscling in here. That's going to make it very difficult. I wonder, have you had, perhaps it's still early game for you, but any kind of a strategy or a mindset as to where you might have to go if this ultimately is the worst case scenario for your organization? Yeah, well, yes, we'll really have to, I think, just reevaluate whether we go forward. Unfortunately, that is the reality because what we need in order to get subscribers over time is to build an audience. Some tiny amount of mm. that larger audience is ultimately going to subscribe. And so mm -hmm. we need a very large audience, not enormous, not millions, but we need tens of thousands over time so that some fraction yeah. of that converts. And so if you can't build an audience, I don't know how you go forward because uh, we don't have the luxury mm. of the kind of print. Dis One of the advantages of print distribution is that you're on newsstands. You're out kind of in the physical world where people can see you, but digital right. platforms don't have that. They, they need to be kind of using outbound methods to reach people and well outbound and inbound so search engines are inbound but you know my point is you need to have methods to reach people and if you can't how do you build an audience so i think we've reevaluate mm -hmm. but i've already told our team that we need to start 
building up a presence on TikTok. Um, LinkedIn is very important, particularly because we do speak to the professional class. And so that's going to be very important for us. And so I don't think you can overstate the importance of attending in-person events and getting out to see people in person. You know, we'll be reaching out to the think tanks in this country, and I've already started to reach out to some. I'm going to reach out to some of the universities that I've formerly attended. So there are other ways that you can kind of get the word out. But in terms of kind of consistently right. getting content in front of people, how do you do that without social and search? You just, you just can't, right? Right, right, yeah. right. Yeah, no, that, that it makes it very difficult. So then um, for those who are watching this program and who are starting to see and understand what the long-term implications are of these legislation of government and their policy, what can they do? What can they do to help in keeping a diversity of opinion and views ongoing in the Canadian landscape? Hmm. Well, I think it is important for people to support these other news organizations that are starting up or that already exist. And I think what I find sometimes mm -hmm. a little interesting is that a lot of people bemoan the state of the news industry, but they don't necessarily want to pay anything for it. And I think the, right. the future of news, if we want a news ecosystem at all, is one that doesn't just involve the CPC, for example. We need to get comfortable with paying for good content. And certainly one of the things I looked at before launching the news startup is some industry reports around paying subscribers. And it has been creeping up slowly in Canada. Uh, I think it's now around 14% of Canadians pay for a subscription. Um, and that's mm -hmm. up from previous years. And I think people are adapting to the reality that a lot of good stuff is not going to be just freely accessible because that's what news publications did for 10 to 20 years. And so everyone got used to just getting everything good for free. And now as news publications start to roll that back, a lot of people are saying, okay, I do actually have to pay for something. But there's also a lot of consumers who are just totally fine with what they're going to get for free from the CDC and from uh, radio stations and, um, you know, all other manner of places. Uh, but I think, mm -hmm. I think for those people who are bemoaning the state of the industry, that those are the people I think who need to think about their own actions and what they're doing to support this ecosystem. Because if you are the type to say, I, I want something more, I do want many voices out there in our news ecosystem, then I would encourage you to think about subscribing or a lot of members are kind of, sorry, a lot of models are donor or kind of membership models rather than fixed fees. But there's various ways, all of which involve giving money <laughs> to those different types of news organizations. You know, it, as I was listening to you there, it, it just kind of reminded me of how many people think about or they have not thought of giving money for subscriptions for news organizations like yourself. And also, I would say, even for those of you who are following First Freedoms, yeah. we always uh, are interested in your <laughs> donations as well in order for us to keep going. But the the thing is, it's kind of like I grew up in a family where philanthropy was uh, extremely important, especially in the religious community. Um, you know, my parents were very big in in the tithing mm -hmm. um, 
with the church and not only tithing, but uh, they, they, they would give above the tithe, mm -hmm. which uh, for those of you who are not familiar with that term, it's uh, generally 10% of your income. And, and my parents would give uh, more than that. Mm -hmm. I mean, they would give like 15 to 20% at times. And there is that element that in our own society that's important with a sense of a generous philanthropic culture where we are giving money so that, the, I mean, we're already forced to give money. Let's face it, mm -hmm. we're giving money to CBC every time we file our income tax return and every time we receive our paycheck, you know, money taken out. But in, if we are going to have a society of freedom, if we're going to have a free and democratic society, which is what the charter talks about, we have got to pay for that. And it seems to me that for those of you who are listening, understanding now a little bit better about the struggle that's going on in the news industry as a result of this uh, government uh, legislation, it's important to, to stress the importance of being able to give for the small startups like uh, Canadian Affairs, because it's almost a civic duty to ensure that we don't have just the CBC opinion of the world, but we have the Canadian Affairs opinion, or we may have some other news outlet. That to me is part of leaving our own legacy behind, uh, because uh, for me, uh, now being a grandfather, I know I, it's hard to believe I'm married to a grandmother, you know, it's, <laughs> it's just like how, where have time gone? And it's important for us to give to ensure that we have strong institutions for truth, for seeking truth, for trying to understand the, the broad spectrum of ideas in public policy. And I think what we see now developing, and I think whether intentional or not, it sure seems to me that the government is moving towards a situation where only the institutions that are receiving government money are going to be, it's just natural. We have our heads in the sand if we don't think that that's not going to somehow influence the editorial policies, the decisions about which which stories, which reporters are going to be reported upon. We're being able to uh, have their news published. We're going to have our heads in the sand if we think that the finances of government is not going to have an impact on the variety and diversity of views in our society mm -hmm. going forward. So I think it's extremely important that we get the news out there that, uh, hey, listen, if we want a free and democratic society, we've got to be serious and start paying for it. So I certainly applaud you, Lauren, for starting up uh, this new adventure. It's extremely important. And uh, just uh, if you could, we've only got a few minutes left, but I'm just wondering, could you just recap for those who perhaps not have seen our first interview, just a little bit about your um, your organization, what it's uh, where it's focused, and also how people can get in contact with you. Thank you. Sure. So I recently launched Canadian Affairs. Uh, you can find it at www.canadianaffairs.news. And Canadian Affairs is focused on producing high quality reported journalism that on topics that matter to Canadian professionals and Canadian families. By professionals, we, people, we mean people for whom work is really core to their identity, their community and their sense of purpose. And by uh, parents and families, we mean people for whom their family, their kids, uh, their siblings, their their parents are also core to their community, 
identity and sense of purpose. And so our focus is to publish stories that really matter and are undercovered, but matter to those two groups. And uh, we have a small team mm -hmm. of professional, but young journalists, people who um, we are training to produce great journalism. And that's one of the really exciting components of this job is we have terrifically talented young people. And I think we have them at a great stage where they've recently finished their education and are now kind of out of the world. And it's really exciting to work with people who have that drive and, you know, that fearlessness that comes from pursuing a career in this industry at this time um, and, and just the commitment to news. And so I've already been just astounded at the quality of the work that they're doing in their first couple of weeks. Mm -hmm. the, the, any subscription to our, come, to our business is directly supporting their salaries and helping us train th those young people. So subscription goes to a great cause. And we also really welcome the feedback of our readers so that we can continually improve and ensure that what we are putting out resonates with their interests and that we're covering the topics that matter to them. Excellent. Excellent. And also, I, I'm really excited with the fact that you're covering religion, which many organizations are not doing yes. that anymore. And so I think that's uh, an added bonus uh, because People just fail to recognize, it seems to me, in a lot of government institutions that, you know, religion is extremely important to people's lives. And, yeah. and so I tip my hat to you for taking that on. Yeah, well. absolutely. Because I, I really think if you tend to read about religion in the news today, today it's around salacious or negative headlines about mm. scandals, or like typically kind of sex scandals of one form or another. And like you say, mm -hmm. you know, we have this incredibly diverse population for whom many, for like many of whom are religious or participate in religious communities and for whom it is very important to the, again, identity, community and sense of purpose. And I think because in general, the media does skew kind of small L liberal there is, I think, less interest in covering that. And I, I, I think mm -hmm. also that there's a perhaps lack of appreciation for the importance of covering religion as it relates to politics, as it relates to other issues that are kind of quite central to policy and, and civics and politics in this country. So I, I do really hope that that's an area we can continue to cover, kind of grow in our coverage over time, because I agree, I think it's very important. Mm. Yeah, great. Well, thank you so much for, for being with us. It's a great pleasure to learn about a new startup. We certainly are behind you as an organization because we see this as an extremely important element for freedom of speech, one of our very first freedoms. So thank yes. you for that. Thank you so much, Barry. This has really been a pleasure to chat with you. Great. And I want to thank you, our viewers, for taking the time to spend with us. Uh, you may not agree with the opinions expressed by myself or by my guests, but that's okay because on Freedom Feature, we're interested in open, honest, and transparent dialogue. And until next time, I'm Barry Bussey. The fight for freedom consists not only in the legal battles in court, but also in the battle of ideas at the universities and in the media. It takes time, effort, and money to keep on top of the debates for freedom. Your donation allows us to keep fighting for all Canadians. Firstfreedoms.ca